This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. He jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time, it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the time zone with the least number of training camp fights. That means it's time for the W debate brought to you by campus to Canton.com. Chris Moxley and Austin Nace are with me, and I'm Felix Sharp. On a recalcitrant version of tonight's show is Rome Adunze, or what is Rome Adunze's NFL ceiling? What to make of Colorado's quick rebuild? And Bruce Feldman releases his annual freaks list. But we start with... Some new Debbie content. Uh, I think this is just, um, we're starting to get some trickles here of the big boys in college, or excuse me, in football media recognizing uh, the value in college fantasy Debbie C2C. Uh, just today, PFF released a top 75 ranking of Debbie ranking um, from Alex or uh, Austin Scott. Um, Austin, you had some comments about the rankings themselves, but I think that this is just a further indication that folks are starting to realize that this is a thing. This is a thing that that's not going away. Yes, there is interest. Yes, there is value in developing this sort of content. If PFF is doing it, Fantasy Pros finds value in it now, then... Um, I think every eventually every major fantasy football content provider is going to be providing some sort of college fantasy content. But Austin, you had some reactions to the rankings uh, themselves, kind of. But talk to me about you know this development from PFF. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to say that I had like an issue with them or anything. And I think I tried to make that clear when I retweeted it with a little bit of a thread that just I think uh, it's great that big companies like PFF, uh, and I'm sure more are uh, going to follow them, uh, that they're coming out with any sort of this content and really content that marries the NFL draft with fantasy, which is kind of what you know Debbie is really at the end of the day. Um I my my complaint really was with it that I think just giving out a list of names uh, without any sort of disclaimer or um, explanation that really this is all um, a kind of a, a, a guess and so just going down a list of names like that is not I think necessarily helpful to anybody who is uh, doing more than maybe a one round home league Debbie type deal with a bunch of people who have never played the format before. Uh, but I think it's good that they're putting it on the radar. I, I really, really do. I agree with you. I think uh, the more companies that, that start coming out with this stuff, the better it is for everybody, you know, making the pie uh, bigger uh, for for everybody. I, I think it's a good thing. So I, I didn't really have any complaint about the rankings. And I am I was pleasantly surprised. I, I didn't know they had any plan to do this. When I saw that they uh, tweeted uh, that Debbie rankings, it, my eyes, you know, shot open really big, really quickly. Well, not only did they call them Debbie rankings, but they said this was the quote to start the, the introduction to the article. You may not be aware of the format, but Debbie leagues, as well as the closely related campus to Canton leagues are exploding in popularity amongst fantasy football enthusiasts. Chris, we've been told for three years that this is a niche and that it's not going anywhere and that there's no value in this format. Yeah, I think that's stupid. Like, I'll just be honest. I, I think that the growth that we've seen of Campus Canton Leagues in general, plus the interest, the brands that are investing, the reigniting of the EA franchise, like all of these things are coming together at the right time for college football fans and college football fantasy. And I think we're seeing a huge growth. I mean, over the last year, I think like, we can all say that we've seen just a like a tsunami almost of just like content creators coming out more content, more video, more podcasts. It's awesome. It's definitely growing. I don't know how anyone could argue otherwise. Austin. I mean, you have control of our books in year one campus to Canon, what 2021 we launched the website. So, you know, everybody saw this new shiny thing in year two, we revamped the website. We didn't do anything new in year three. And this is our best, our best year ever. This is going to be our best year ever. It's already our best year ever by like a, I, a safe margin. Yeah. It's already our best year ever. And we've done nothing particularly different from year one and two. And we didn't have that big flashy launching point to kind of tout. We didn't redo the website. We didn't, we were, we're not new. We've been around since March of 2021. And this is our best year ever. And we're going to keep reinvesting into the website. So you're going to see more stuff um, from us. I don't think that there, I mean, you can go check out the article. I can put it in the description box uh, here in both the podcast and the YouTube video. So you can go check it out at pff.com. I know a lot of their stuff is paywalled, but this is not. This is not. So go ahead and check it out. And if you can comment on it, tell them, hey, I like this type of content. Um, do more of this type of content. Housekeeping really quick. It had been a long time since we'd gotten a rate and review. And we, you know, we're podcasting every day. There's something every single day uh, for college football for 
our audience, and I was getting worried. I was getting worried, but Alex R. Uh, Amron, I think Amron is the correct pronunciation. Andy, 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 Andy. I'm thinking of Alex's or okay, Andy. And I was yeah, Andy Amron. Uh, he calls Campus to Canton the the podcast feed a must listen. The C two C pods are a must listen, no matter the type of fantasy football you enjoy. These guys are knowledgeable and passionate about the platforms, and you will get all the info you need to excel. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Uh, I need more of those. I need like two more rates and reviews on the podcast feed. Come this time. Uh, next week and if you are new if you're joining us for the first time please give us a rate and review on the apple podcast feed and subscribe to the youtube channel to come join us live it's going to be a fun fun time during the season if you've been around a while you know we start saturday mornings with the tailgate and then we wrap up the college the day in college football with college fantasy tonight uh in the evening on saturday on saturday night so you're going to want to stick around and have fun with us um, Bruce Feldman released his annual freaks list. I think that that's something that we all look forward to. I'm just going to go through the skill position names here. And then, um, you know, Austin, I'll toss it to you for your reaction. I think I should go in descending order. Jalen Lucas, Indiana running back and kick returner. He's at number 99. Deion Burks, Purdue wide receiver is at 95. Decor and a lot of these players, as I get to some of these names, we have talked about extensively. There are a few, even FCS and uh, FCS guys and lower division guys that we should pay attention to. But um, I, when I went through this list, I thought, yeah, we've talked about a lot of these guys. Um, Decorian Clark at UTSA, the wide receiver. Jerry Bohannon at USF is at ninety-one. Tejon Palmer. Wide receiver at UAB is 89. Taylor Green, who we've talked about a bunch at Boise State, the dual-threat quarterback, comes in at 88. Isaac Tesla, who is a transfer to Arkansas. I remember Josh Pate talking about this guy, I want to say last year or maybe earlier in this offseason. He checks in at 83. Malachi Corley, who's a lot of people's number one wide receiver in CFF, checks in at 81. 79, J. Michael Sturdivant at UCLA. The wide receiver is at 79. Uh, at 73, Roman Wilson at Michigan, number 70, a guy that I was taking a look at uh, this week, Tommy Mallett, Montana State quarterback, a guy who has a dual threat skill set. Jalen White, running back at Georgia Southern, checks in at 67. Squirrel White, I think we've talked extensively about Squirrel White and our expectations for him, filling in for Jalen Hyatt at Tennessee. He checks in at 64. Trebor. Uh, Pena, a return man and wide receiver at Syracuse, checks in at 60. Roma Dunze at 57, a wide receiver who many expect to go in the first round next year. Savion Williams um, going to take up some of that slack for the departed Quentin Johnston at TCU, checks in at 56. Jordan Houston, the diminutive running back who I had expect high expectations for last year at NC State, checks in at 54. Brennan Rice. Brennan Rice, Jerry Rice's son at USC, checks in at 53. Alex Orgy, which was a surprise uh, for me. Uh, Michigan's backup quarterback checks in at 50. Brock Bowers at 49. Ryan Flournoy, Southeast Missouri State, and I don't even have – I don't recall what his position was uh, at 47. Monterey Baldwin, who I think I've even pegged as one of my guys on this show, comes in at 42. He he had the fastest mile per hour time in college football on the field last year. Branson Robinson, who's a first round 
C2C startup pick, checks in at, at 41. Chip Trainum, who we've been talking about since his time at Arizona State when he was putting time with Rashad White, checks in at 37. Bub Means, I'm going to have to get Austin's reaction to Bub Means, the wide receiver at Pitt, checks in at 36. At 34, Braylon Allen at 33. Malik Neighbors at 31. Nicholas Singleton at 28. Johnny Wilson, I thought that was funny. At 25. Uh, Jaquan Burton, again, I don't, I think the wide receiver, Jaquan Burton at Florida Atlantic at 21. Carson Steele, the running back, the transfer from Ball State to UCLA. Marvin Harrison Jr., number the number one player last year, checks in at number two this year. And Nichols, Nick Harbor, South Carolina. I don't think that that's necessarily a surprise that he checks in at number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Austin, give me something, react to me. There's lots of positive I could do, but that's no fun, right? I mean, I think, uh, you know, what is there to say about Marvin Harrison yeah. Jr.? Let the hate consume Harvard? you, baby. Let's go. I, I thought there were some weird names on this list. And I know this is, it's a non-scientific list. It's not like he has some sort of, uh, you know, criteria that like weights all these numbers in a spreadsheet and pops out a final number. And that's how uh, they get listed on here. But it did feel for some of these guys like he was kind of just putting some players that he appreciates on the list. Talking about guys that are uber athletes, like Malachi Corley is not a guy that comes to mind. He's definitely not a bad athlete, but you know, a top 100 freak in the country. Uh, I'm not really so sure about that. Jerry Bohannon at 91, like I, he's mobile. I, I wouldn't call him a, a freak of an athlete. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys here. Even like I, I'm a huge Pitt fan. Bub means. I don't think he's even like a super freak. Like I've never really heard the coaching staff referring to him in that way here at Pitt. Um, so just just kind of a, a weird list overall. Uh, Brendan Rice also sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, feels like somebody's doing somebody a favor with that name on there. Um, it, it's just it's there, there are some odd odd names on here, but I think all of the names that we would expect to see. Um, uh, definitely made the list, you know, uh, Harbor, Harrison Jr., uh, Singleton, Braylon Allen, like th these are all guys that are legitimately, uh, freak athletes. And I am glad that he put Alex Dorji on here. It was a guy that we actually loved coming out of high school a couple years ago when he flipped from Virginia tech to Michigan on signing day, just absolutely crushed his ranking with us. Cause we don't think he's ever going to play there, but I I'm glad that they gave him a shout out because he is, he would have been a, a a worthy successor to the Vic brothers at Virginia tech. I think he's tossing it to you, Chris, but he's muted. I said Mox. Every time we try to draft Nick Har and, and Kyle adds in the, in the, uh, in the chat, some of them are guys that are just fast, but some of them are guys that who just like have the high power clean or something like that. Like, you know, yeah. they're, they don't even have a recorded mile per hour or 40 time to document, you know, why they're on the list. But, Mox, every time we try to draft Nick Harbor high, we get chastised by both Austin and Colin saying that he's not really a – he should be a defensive end. He's not, he doesn't move fluidly to be a tight end. But, I, I mean, he's number one on this list. I mean, he seems he's going to have a future in the NFL if he wants it. I mean, he's a borderline Olympian at like six five two. I mean, he's probably two twenty ish in high school, but he bulked up to like two forty plus. Um, I mean, I don't know how you're going to keep a guy like him off the field, even if he wants to play offense. I mean, you you want to keep him close to the line of scrimmage, or like 
set him up the seam. I mean, I think he can do those things at tight end. The problem is that he's listed as a wide receiver in the South Carolina depth chart. I just don't think that's a position that he can succeed at. Um, but I mean, I want to be investing in this type of player though. I mean, one of the, one of the greatest athletes I think we'll see, um, you know, we had Anthony Richardson. I think Nick Harbour is going to take up that mantle and just say, Hey, like this dude is otherworldly alien type stuff. My thought on this list and I, I just, I thought Austin was going to say this, which is why I was, ex- I was excited for him to lean into the hate. This is, hmm, how do I want to say this diplomatically? Um, this is the, I hate this. I hate this <laughs> because this GPS tracker in practice when these dudes aren't wearing pads is what we're using to define this stuff. These guys who are in the weight room lifting, is what we're using to define this stuff. Like I, neither of those tell me that these players are freaks on the football field. Um, yeah. Like if you're really strong, that's awesome. Like it's, it, it helps you a lot. Like Tez Johnson made this list because he lift, like lifted like 550 pounds last year. And he's like 160. Like that's cool. But like he's, and he's fast. So I understand, but there are so many players that are not like actually freak athletes that I, I just hate this process because you see, you go down the list, you go through all the fr- the freaks, and you see 23.5 miles per hour clocked. I'm like, okay, two people have hit that in the NFL in the last, like, three years. Exactly. Obvi- right. Obviously, this player <laughs> right. is not nearly what the GPS is telling us when he's playing football. So I, I just, I don't like the process as to how we get this result. And then that's why you end up with weird players on this list who are maybe, like, really good without the pads or, like, really fast without the pads on. And so the, I, I don't know. But it doesn't translate the same way that I think it should when we're having this type of list. A lot of the players are justified, but there's always some weird ones. Like, I don't think Marvin Harrison should be in the top three. Like, I just I, – I, I think he's really – he's such a weird case because I don't think he's, like, a super athlete, but, like, he's got, like, really great body movement that makes him look super athletic. I don't know. They're – Malik neighbors. Like, I don't think he's a top 20 athlete in the country. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy to me. Like I, by knock on his profiles, athleticism, like that's at least one of the issues that I have with him. And I just don't see that translate at all. And all, everything you look at in his profile is all about, um, I mean, it's, it's just all about these, these GPS times and they're not, this, it's just not something you the build. Guy, oh, I'm sorry. Big wide receiver guy adds on Malachi Corley. If his numbers are Bruce Feldman's numbers are accurate. Uh, Malachi Corley would be a 99th percentile athlete. They all, they game all game would. Game That's the whole thing. No. They has, all has would. Johnny has Johnny Wilson ever struck either of you as a freak athlete? They no, he's just a freak. He looks like fucking Slenderman. They, they, uh, they have repeatedly said throughout his college career that he's this fast, crazy athlete. I he gets open downfield fairly decently but i i seem uh, to see him like just reaching over people to catch yeah, the football i i don't see him as an amazing athlete no i think the darren waller comps are, are are bad for that reason like darren waller was legitimately an amazing athlete at wide receiver in college i i do not think that wilson is in that same category of athlete no well, I mean, that brings up another question about whether Johnny Wilson is going to transition to tight end. We don't necessarily I've, need to cover that. I, I've stashed him or like taken him in a couple of leagues this offseason where he's just fallen so far that I'm like, screw it. Why not? Because um, I think that is the only way he makes it in the NFL. I think he's closer to Colin Johnson from Texas, which is a great comp that I that 
uh, Javon and I were talking about. Uh, I, I think he's that level of a player. I don't think he's Darren Waller or I think Auden Tate's an, a bad comp too because Auden Tate's kind of skinny. Like he, he, uh, Wilson's definitely heavier, but yeah, not not a huge fan. Uh, Brad, who's Debbie Dobby on Twitter, he adds that Johnny Wilson is Calvin Benjamin. I don't even know that he's necessarily. I don't know. Calvin Calvin Benjamin was he drafted in the first round? Yeah. The when I think about that first. now, that is insane to me. He had a he really good in, rookie year too. He ran he over sure a thousand did. yards, and then he ate himself he out sure, of the league like Lacey did. He sure did. But um, even then, own- Calvin Benjamin wasn't as big, or Johnny Wilson isn't as big as Calvin Benjamin was. I mean, Calvin Benjamin even like. Non Popeye's biscuit, Calvin Benjamin is really what I'm talking about. Like he was never really that big. My only thoughts about this list is it gives me some names to go uh, look at that I'm not familiar with. Ryan Flournoy, Bub Means. I took a look at him uh, this week after I saw that you know that one of Austin's guys was there. Trevor Trebor Pena at Syracuse. I'm going to look at him. I took a look at Tommy Mallett at Montana State. Uh, I think that he's interesting. Uh, more of Isaac Tesla. Got to watch him. I think Isaac. Oh, that's where Isaac Tesla went to Hillsdale College. Hillsdale is in Grand is in the GLIAC in Grand Valley's division. Uh, Hillsdale College in Michigan, um, and he transferred from there. That's where I remember Isaac Tesla from. A big wide receiver. He's probably this year's. Who was the guy from Princeton? Uh, Yusovis. Yusovis. Uh, Andre Yusovis. He's the Andre Yusovis of college football this year. So. All right. Um, I think that's it. I find Taylor Green interesting on here too. I thought he should have been higher. Really? I, no, I mean, I think I just think it's interesting. Um, I shouted him out as my big Debbie sleeper at QB a couple weeks ago on this show. Um, yeah. We'll see if he gets hype or not. But I think this is the reason why you're going to get some of that hype because he's just uh, he's an exceptional athlete. Kyle Kyle added in the chat that Cam Seldon was a snub here. I, that's absolutely true. Cam Seldon should be on this list, and I think that he'll be on this list next year. Uh, he legitimately, I believe, he touched 23 miles per hour, if I remember correctly, in high school. He touched 23 miles yeah. per hour, for real, in pads. Um, I think Branson Robinson did too, right? 23? Or um, Roger Robinson. Am I Roderick getting, did. Roderick um, did. Yeah. Branson did. Uh, who, he should probably be on the list, too. I mean, he and Cam Seldon are Robert probably Robinson. like a simpatico. Yeah. Yeah. Running back at Georgia. Bruce, Feld, Bruce Feldman, if you need information, you can holler at us at campstacan.com. We have a database that you can go through and uh, and that big wide receiver guys put together. Um, we can help you out with this list next year at Campus Decanton on Twitter. Reach out to us. All right, we're going to cover the Pac-12 this year. The season is getting closer and closer. We've been doing these conference previews. I haven't heard any negative feedback saying like I don't like hearing conference previews on multiple shows, but it's the off season. What else are you gonna? What else are you gonna do? So, um, I think the biggest question in this conference is it's not even a question; it's just a statement. It's Colorado. What are your reactions? What is the what is the spectacle going to be? They're 130th in returning production. They had 50 transfers come in this season, some of whom have already transferred out of Colorado. Mox, I don't even know what the line is on game. It started at like six and a half, and then it just continued to move down. It's like I mean, three I, and a half now. I was going to say if I, I was going to say three right? and a half. Say again I, on total wins in the regular season. On total wins, yeah, yeah, it's a juice three and a half. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm taking the under on three and a half. Oof, I think it's tough. I think they win three or four games. 
this is not a team that is going bowling. And no. I wonder how Dion is going to take losing because I don't know that he's been like on a losing team since his time in like Atlanta. Um, obviously, he hasn't been on a losing team and as a college head coach at Jackson State, but they've got a tough they've got a tough schedule. They've got a tough schedule. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, especially. The thing that I worry about is is continuity. There is no continuity. You have new everything. None of these players have played with each other, and they have less than 12 months to kind of gel. I think that that's tough to do in football. I think you can do it in other sports, in basketball, in baseball. In football, you kind of all have to be on the same page. I find it hard to believe that they are going to have enough chemistry to be successful this year. And that's not anything against Deion Sanders, or it's just the nature of what they did this year what they did with recruiting. I just find it hard to believe that they're going to be um, any good. Sorry. I mean, I, I agree. I, the best case scenario is like four or five wins, right? Like I just, I agree with you. I don't think bowling is in their future. I'm looking at their schedule right now. I'm trying to find like that fourth win. I mean, we think that they can compete against Colorado state. They should win that game just based on talent edge alone, but there isn't really another slam dunk outside of Stanford on this schedule. And so, I mean, two to four wins is probably the, the, what you should be looking at here. One, I mean, this is unprecedented. We've never seen this many players leave and come into a program. It's going to be a very interesting approach because there's real talent brought in. This isn't like a, uh, Texas state situation where like there's a bunch of junk being brought in. No offense to GJ Kenny and, and what they're doing down there. And, uh, San Marcos, but there's legit talent here. So I, it'll be pretty interesting as a case study. Cause I don't think we're going to see something like this again for a while, at least. I think it's hard to argue that they're not more talented than they were last year. I think that much. Oh, they hundred percent are pretty obvious, but I, I also think that the way that, uh, and I don't have a better way for the record, like, but I know how a lot of folks, including, uh, Nick, Ian Allen at, at CFP winning edge, um, calculates talent. Um, in terms of, you know, doing like talent power rankings is they look at the recruiting pedigree for a lot of these guys. A lot of the players that that Colorado brought in, not all of them, but a lot of them were guys that had been at other power five schools that were former four stars, but had been there multiple years and had never had not developed to the point where they were going to really ever see the field. They brought over very few guys that were starters at their old school, which makes sense, obviously, if you're you know, having a great time at Florida, you're not going to transfer to a three-win Colorado team. Um, just not not great, um, you know, for your own future. But I, I think there's there's something to be said for, yes, they're probably a little more talented than last year, but, you know, taking like the third safety from Florida State and a fifth linebacker from Tennessee and a backup defensive tackle from, you know, uh, Virginia or something, like those are not necessarily big steps up in what they had last year. So I actually think, for the folks that are just well, they had to revamp the whole roster because it was so bad last year. You were taking a lot of rejects from other teams, and you're, some of them will probably pan out. I would say more probably will not for them. See, I just I actually disagree with you. I think they went from being a bottom five team in the country to being a lot closer to middle of the pack. Maybe not middle of the pack, but like top seventy. I have them. I have them ranked ninety first in, in my own, and Nick has them eighty fourth. But like. Shadur Sanders is an upgrade. Alton McCaskill is an upgrade. Jimmy Horn, Xavier Weather, Travis Hunter. Those are all upgrades at, at, on offense. And I mean, yeah, there's questions, I think, about line play in, in both of the trenches. But 
this offense is, or this team is so much more talented, even if they had rejects because of how bad the situation had gotten in Colorado. So like, yes, they, uh, a lot of these dudes are rejects to be fair, but I think it's still pretty like good talent base that they're, they're working from. I just, they don't have any depth is the problem. And 18 of 22 players are, are new starters. Well, they're not going to be able to recruit a quarterback until Shadur leaves. The thing that I don't have a good sense for is what are the expectations there in Boulder for what they're going to do this year? Like, does the fan base expect them to win a bowl game or to go to a bowl game? Or does is this like do, – do the fans understand that this is a rebuilding year and if they win four games, that's that's a 300% uh, – it's 300% better than what they did last year. Um, so I, I don't know. I think the bigger concern for Colorado fans at this point, um, because I think this year was always really kind of a throwaway year. You know, I don't think even, you know, maybe the most you know, demented, you know, laundry, you know, waving person out there thinks Colorado is going to win 10 games. But realistically, I think the bigger issue is that they're recruiting for next season as is not going well at mm-hmm. all. Right now, I think they thought that Dion could carry some of that momentum that they were kind of they were in the mix for a lot of guys uh, toward the end of last cycle. They have like one four star in next year's class, another guy that's very borderline, and then like six three stars committed. They they do not have a lot of talent coming in right now. It doesn't sound like they're in on a lot of the high end guys. Um, and they're not going to be good this year. So it's not like they're, you know, going to be like, oh, well, look, we won, we actually won seven or eight games this year. Like, like we're building something here. I don't think they're going to be able to hang their hat on that. So I do think that that should actually be the biggest concern for Colorado right now is the fact that they thought that they would see an uptick in recruiting with Dion and they have not so far. I, I, you cannot, I don't, I don't think you can play the portal game every year and build like that level of a roster. I, 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 I think, think you, you could, can. if you went to a G five school. If you went to a G5 school, if you went to Ball State or, you know, Florida Atlantic or something like Is that. Is Dion going you know, to Muncie, Illinois at Ball State, though? I, I, I'm just I'm just saying, but the, the level of competition that he's facing, I mean, these are just more talented rosters. Washington and USC and Utah, those are just more talented teams. I think he could have taken this type of strategy to, to, to Fresno State or to Colorado State, and they would have gone 11-1. and one. But I think it's going to be difficult to do it. And I, that was my next question is recruiting. How How is he going to parlay this into recruiting? I don't know. I you know, Let us know in the chat what you think. If, you, if I, in the chat, let us know over under three and a half wins this season for, for Colorado, who allegedly Shador Sanders is a Heisman candidate. Okay. According, according um, to the books that are posting those odds. According to the books that are just taking people's money. Some en- I, Enron, Enron type stuff. I think the other natural question in this conference is just to what extent, and I don't have a good answer for this question, but to what extent can Alex Grinch actually improve uh, USC's defense, 106 in the country, um, uh, in team defense last season, and we saw kind of that uh, them get dominated by Tulane uh, last year in that bowl game. I don't. We saw the missed tackles. I know they got Bear Alexander. I know they've had some transfers there but i don't have a good sense for what the answer to that question is the 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 likelihood is is that usc as long as lincoln riley is there is going to win with offense and not defense i don't think they looked any better in the spring i know you're not 
absolutely out there just headhunting in the spring, but they were getting ran all over by the freshman running backs in that game. Uh, did not look particularly good. I, I, uh, I, I think it'll be hard for them not to be a little better than 106 in the country. Like you said, they did bring in some good transfers, uh, but I think they'll, uh, I, I think they'll be not great again. I think they'll hold USC back uh, overall. When when has Alex Grinch ever really produced a good defense anyway? Like he wasn't really that good at Oklahoma, but he just Lincoln Riley's crazy loyal to him, and so he just brings him along. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a huge concern. I mean, they brought in probably three transfers that'll start. But at the same time, I mean, this unit was super lucky last year. I, I you the narrative on USC changes a lot if they don't lead the country in points off turnovers. They they had ninety six, which was like twenty more than the next best team. Like, they got really the only reason they beat Oregon State. I mean, they got really really lucky in a lot of games last year. Um, and it caught up to them against Tulane when they, I mean, Mario Williams fumbled on the like the one or whatever, but. Yeah, I just don't think this defense is a lot better. I think it's taking steps, and I think when you look at it on paper, it's a good unit, but, man, they're just... I don't want to say they're soft, but they kind of are. They're soft. I'll say yeah. it if you want. They're <laughs> yeah, soft. they're soft. They don't want to tackle. No, they no, they don't. It's going to be tough to have a good defense if you don't want to tackle. Uh, drop, a, drop a like on this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. The way we've kind of been doing these conference breakdowns is we've been taking them by position as opposed to to as opposed to going team by team so we've covered all the quarterbacks in the conference all the running backs wide receivers etc cetera, etc cetera. we're going to do that again today and when i look at the quarterback position in the pac-12 it's a it's a really fun conference there's only like one school stanford that i'm like i i don't know that i want anybody in that quarterback room arizona jade uh jaden delora who can be a cff guy noah fafita at arizona state jaden rashada with drew pine out He's a candidate to start. I didn't even realize that. At California, our friend um, John is – what's John's last name? John Arrington? John Arrington is a big fan uh, of Sam Jackson at Colorado. Of course, you got Shador Sanders. At Oregon, you got Bo Nix there. And then who's going to take over him is, for him? Is it Austin Novosad or Ty Thompson? Matt Bruning, of course, a big fan of Austin Novosad, having seen him at Elite 11. Oregon State's quarterback room – Looks great. Uh, Aiden Childs there, DJU. Um, that's a great college quarterback. I have no idea. I don't know any of the names at Stanford Moxley. So if you want to speak to them, that's fine. At UCLA, of course, we expect um, Dante Moore to start sooner rather than later. He's competing with Ethan Gerbers. Have you have you backtracked on week one, uh, Felix? Is that no? Is that what no, I No, I'm not. I'm backtracking. No, I'm not backtracking. No, I'm not backtracking. On him starting in week one at USC, of course, they have the other one, another one of the top five uh, freshman quarterbacks in the class, and Malachi Nelson to go along with Caleb Williams and Miller Moss um, at Utah. Cam Rising is Cam Rising healthy? No, I don't, no. It doesn't sound like he's no, going he's to not. start the beginning of the season. Austin, I got a question for you. I mean, Austin, you well, let me ask you now. You're a big fan of Nate Johnson. I, as far as I believe, he's still there. Are you not a fan of him now? Or? I liked him because he's fast as all get out but uh it sounds like he's qb4 and they have no interest in oh, playing really? him at all no. yeah they had okay. um a, a different kid in there and he got they had a scrimmage this past week and he went to the hospital after the game so he's probably out and johnson is not the next guy up after him apparently so no. it's it, i think we're down to brandon rose 
Yeah, I think that's third, third string quarterback, which yikes. Mm. Um, well, I mean, maybe uh, Quinton Jackson can do a little bit, go back to his Texas days and, uh, and play some quarterback there. Um, at Washington, I don't know. Listen, if there's a guy that's really talented there, we're going to gravitate towards Kalen DeBoer's quarterback, just like Steve Sarkeesian and Lincoln Riley. I think Kalen DeBoer is up there. Michael Penix Jr. is there. Austin Mack is probably the next guy. It might be a transfer destination. And then at Washington State, there's Cam Ward, who transferred in from Incarnate Ward last year, and we had expectations for him last year. I don't know that he necessarily met them, but – I think that there's a potential that he does this year. All right, Mox. I think well, Mox, I'm not being a chicken. When does when does Dante Moore start? Is it week one or is it late? I don't think I think Garbers is gonna start week one. I, I think I'd be pretty surprised. Just like I think Garbers has been good through camp. I mean, I think they're fine with him until they face a a real test. I don't think Dante Moore is getting in. I do think Dante Moore will play this year, though. I was wrong, okay, about Dante Moore and Conchley. I'll admit, I'll admit it. I was, I was wrong. Um, yeah, he'll he'll play. I mean, he's too talented to keep off the bench, especially if they want to win football games. And Chip Kelly has, over the years, had no issue going to a freshman quarterback. Yeah, um, I, I, I will maintain that he gets starts this year, but it's it's not going to be Week One. I think. Um, the problem is UCLA's schedule doesn't really set up well as like you can point to like a natural segue where maybe you would work him in um, because they have in the middle of their season they have this stretch um, of a bunch of ranked opponents in a row so they have uh, the first couple games of the season they have Coastal Carolina they have San Diego State and they have NC Central so okay if you want to if you want to blood him in one of those games, I don't think they want to put him in that early. And then after that, you've got um, you've got Utah, Oregon State. Um, you've got a stretch at the end of the season with USC uh, and some other teams in there. I guess you can point to that Colorado Stanford stretch at the end of October and say maybe you put him in there. Like I, I just don't know that the schedule sets up particularly well where you're like planning to try to get him I- into a game to start. So. I, I do think we see him start at least one game this year, but I, to point to a specific week, unless somebody gets hurt, I don't know that I can do that. I'll tell you the exact scenario, what that's going to be. It's going to be Ethan Garber struggles in the first half against Utah. Dante Moore comes in and looks better than he did in the first half. And Dante Moore gets to start next week at Washington State. What if like, it's That's the, my scenario. What, what if it's the Cade Klubnik come in and throw an interception from your own end zone scenario again? It can, I, well, listen, I'm not saying that it won't before. happen, <laughs> but that's that's the scenario. I think if you want to try to bank on something, that it happens there against Utah, which is the best defense they'll face until, well, that might be the best defense they face all year. Looking at their schedule, it's, it's exactly a really easy what schedule. happened. It's exactly what happened with Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler. Yes, uh, Spencer Rattler struggling in the Red River shootout, and then Caleb Williams comes in, and that's the end of that. Um, so it, uh, we could see something like that. Austin, on a scale of one to 10, could, because you've had some negative things to say, on the scale of one to 10, how interested are you in Austin Mack with 10 being I got to have him and one being uh, I'll leave him out there? I, like a five or a six? I, I For the right, I, I don't think he's a bad player or anything. Luke, I think Luke he's Horn. really hard to – He just hasn't played a lot. 
He just he's, hasn't played exactly. He's really difficult to evaluate because he's barely played at all. He's reclassifying a year up now, so it's not like we get to see him as a senior. He's kind of oddly proportioned, and I think his game is still maturing. Like I think even what he did last year in high school is not really the player that he's going to be a couple of years from now. Um, I I think basically if you're taking him in a draft, you're just overwhelmingly trusting the system to develop him, and I don't mind doing that with some of these guys um but i'd rather them be at a smaller school than washington with lower expectations than to go to a school like washington with the board there that expects to be winning no fewer than eight or nine games in a season moving forward um that, that's definitely the expectation for him i really think that he does not start next year after Penix leaves i think it's either dylan morris gets a year because they've actually said that he's looked solid in practice uh, and he's an experienced guy, or like you said, a potential transfer destination. I, I just like I, I, my spidey senses are kind of you know going off a little bit when we talk about Austin Mack and him just being the obvious next guy there. I don't think it's that obvious. He he got a four star pedigree, having started one season in high school and then reclassifying and and going to college, and he played with two. Division one wide receivers and Enrico Flores, who's at Notre, I think it's Rico Flores, mm-hmm. who's at Notre Dame, and then Ontario Smith's son. If you remember Ontario Smith from the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the ferry boat and all that stuff, and uh, the Wizenator Run it, running um, through the okra patch, I believe. Is, yes, uh, yes, his son, <laughs> says. Uh, his son was was Austin Max, other other wide receivers, so. It's he's a length, he's a six foot six guy, kind of a taller stat. You know, think of think, um, Jared Goff. Think Jared Goff. I mean, I, mean, I think that that's that's a whole, a whole a comp for him. Um, Mox, are you believing in Cam Ward this year? You've been critical. No, you, this is why I'm asking you. No, 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 don't say no yet. You've okay, been critical. Sorry, sorry, you have been critical of his deep passing. They add DT Sheffield, they add Kyle Williams. And they, in the spring game, they talked about being not so much of a horizontal offense. And they actually completed some deep passes in that spring game. So there's all of that. They've got the new offensive coordinator. Plus, plus, Cam Ward still has the elite trait of that pocket escapability, off-platform, off-script ability. Now give me your answer. No. I mean... (laughs) So here's the thing, right? I, I think his wide receiver core is better than what it was last year. Although Lincoln Victor is um, away from the team, so I, I think that hurts it. But he just has so many issues. I think that Ben Arbuckle, who's the new offense coordinator there, who I think is a really, really smart guy. I, I love that hire. I, I think he can mask it somewhat, but that doesn't make me necessarily believe in Cam Ward. That just makes me believe in the offense and the system. He, his mechanics are still like pretty out of whack and he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the country throwing beyond 10 yards. Like I need to see it before I believe it. Like, no, I don't believe in Cam Ward. And I, I want to, because I think, I think he's pretty interesting. I just, he is interesting. He's a fun player. Like he is a fun he's a, player. He's a fun player. And look, they, it seems, it sounds like they heard you mocks because they talked about the need to improve their deep passing game in the spring game 
So I'm, um, I'm, su I'm surprised that you just said that they're planning on being more vertical and less horizontal because Western Kentucky last year was not a particularly aggressive uh, downfield passing team. Austin Reed's ADOT last year was below nine yards, which is, you know, it, it, it wasn't like the worst in the country, but that's pretty pedestrian overall. You would think with that kind of offensive system and a guy like Cam Ward who hasn't been very good passing deep, you would really kind of be trying to to work those the, the, those intermediate areas of the field. So I'm I, interested. I, but I were they know. were they even working? When I would watch, first of all, Washington State had a better defense than expected last year. When I would watch yeah. them, it was a lot of like three yard hitches and five yard hitches, and like they would spread out. They would have five wide receivers on the field, but those five wide receivers, none of them would run more than seven yards down the field. So, no, they they didn't because that's Eric Morris's offense, and Eric Morris literally just like he plays horizontal. Like that's that's his system. I think Arbuckle is a little bit more aggressive than uh, Morris was. I actually think Morris was a that we that's a conversation for a different day. But I think Arbuckle is a substantial improvement over him. Cam Ward's A dot was two yards lower on a per game basis than Austin Reed's was. Yeah, that makes sense. Seven, seven is really, really bad. Really, really, really bad. What we're at was it? What was his average yards per attempt? Like four. Uh, average yards per attempt. Let's see here. Although I remember a lot of a lot of plays where they were like the receivers doing all the work, like major yard after the catch. So maybe not that. That's not the best metric to use. But I actually like DT Sheffield uh, for what's We talk about receivers later. I think that he can help um, in this passing game a lot. Do you not like Kyle Williams? Kyle Williams is a guy that after his freshman season at UNLV, we kind of said, let's pay attention to this guy. He's a good, he's good he player. I mean, but he's not like – he's like a good wide receiver 2-3 on a college team. Like good depth, but I mean he's not like super special. Uh, Austin, Miller Moss is a name that no one – really mentions and i'm wondering if if miller moss and mac jones could or excuse me miller moss and malachi nelson could be a bryce young and mac jones type situation do you have a sense for whether or not we might be missing the boat with with miller moss but by not rostering him not prioritizing getting him on our rosters i think if caleb williams gets hurt this year we see miller moss before we see malachi nelson um just because he's been there for a year but i i think there's almost no chance that he starts 2024. I, I, I don't want to say 0%, but it's definitely less than 10%. Um, I can't believe he didn't transfer. I, I, I'm really, really surprised. Yeah, I think it's just very obvious um, that they're, the, the plan there is is not Miller Moss moving forward. Because um, Malachi Nelson was committed to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, actually. And then uh, followed him along. So, I, I mean, I, it would be a monumental upset if that were to happen. I, I, I do not see that. I think if anything, it would be more likely they would hit the portal. Like if, if Nelson is just yeah. bad, which I don't think is the case, I think they would they would do that before they start Miller Moss. Do I have a team with both Malachi Nelson and Dante Moore? Yes, I do. Uh, where I was able to draft them both in a supplemental draft. Yeah, no comment on what people were doing in that draft very very excited about, about that uh let's move to the uh, well uh, before we move to the running back here uh brad asks a question he's on the clock nathan lee clock tyler buckner or quentin joiner it's not buckner it's definitely Leacock not buckner it, it's between joiner and and leacock i mean i think you can flip a coin and go with either one of them joiner looked good in the spring game and i actually don't have joiner anywhere i have leacock in a few places Austin, you have a preference between those two? I'd way rather have Joiner um, of that group, but 
Interesting. Leacock, one of those late risers, one of those late risers in the recruiting rankings. Uh, they're at Tennessee. Um, uh, at the running back position, not as sexy as, as the quarterback position at Arizona. Michael Wiley has been uh, – Matt Waldman uh, pointed him, him out. Um, Chris, I know you've been a fan of Cam Scadabo at Arizona State. At California, you've got Jay Knott, but they bring in transfers, Byron Cardwell, who I believe is injured, and Justin Williams-Thomas from – uh, Tennessee at Colorado. Houston's Alton McCaskill is there now. Hopefully he's healthy. Dylan Edwards is a backup there and who I think won the fastest man competition. Uh, I think th- he th- just beat out Nick Harbor. Who's, yeah, I think who's, he just, right. He's exactly. like 60 he pounds heavier than him. He just beat out Nick Harbor. Cavassier Smoke is a transfer from uh, Kentucky. At Oregon, you have Bucky Irving, the transfer from Minnesota. I think that he should be productive in CFF, but I've, everybody's been telling me I'm wrong on that. Noah Whittington, Jordan James, and Dante Dow Dell. Jordan James was my favorite backs uh, in last year's class, and I, I, I don't know who it was, but somebody was poo pooing on Dante Dow Dell. I think he's fine. He's very similar to Jordan James in that he's like a first and second down back, but um, there is a role for those guys. Uh, at Oregon State, we have Damian Martinez, who's a friend of the show at Stanford. EJ Smith is back, but he's been practicing with the wide receivers. I didn't realize that. And Casey Filkins at UCLA is probably like if we could look into the future and figure out who is it going to be between Carson Steele and TJ Harden, we can make a little bit of money there. USC, uh, USC has a really deep backfield between Marshawn Lloyd, Austin Jones, Transferred. I can't believe Austin Jones is still in in college. Amarian Peterson and the aforementioned Quentin Joyner, who we just helped Brad with a trade or excuse me, selecting on uh, at Utah. The Texas uh, former quarterback who who shared uh, the quarterback class with Hudson Card at Texas. Jaquindon Jackson is now a running back, uh, and he is backed up by failed cornerback Micah Bernard, who got torched by Jackson. Smith and Jigba in the Rose Bowl two years ago. Uh, Washington, Dylan Johnson transfers from Mississippi State and Washington State. Uh, Nakia Watson transfers. He, well, he's his second year transferring in from from uh, Wisconsin. Had a productive year last year, and he's backed up by. I can't remember what his backup, but I think that his backup should be. Ro- rostered like a forty-fifth round pick, also because of how often Washington State. I, throws to its running backs and that guy that freshman is a good or he's a sophomore this year but that freshman got some run last year i'll look jalen, at his name jalen jenkins jalen Je- yes why are you saying it like that a 40 i didn't remember pick? i didn't remember off the top of my head, of my head oh i thought you were like saying well he, he's not good he's a small running back who got some run yeah he's like so sub, sub 175 okay uh, i'm for cff i think that he could be a value i think that he could be a value and i've taken him in like the 45th round that's all. That's all I'm saying. Do you have a better 45th round pick? Please let me know. Uh, but I do like Jalen Jenkins and Nakia Watson. I've actually rostered them both. Nakia Watson. I plugged them into my starting uh, starting flex spot. Um, Austin, if you were looking for NFL potential, NFL potential, are you taking Damian Martinez at Oregon State or any of the running backs at uh, USC? Is this like the the old you could bet Tiger Woods or the field bet? Uh, or the field, that's the exactly day. what it is. In the field, uh, the field is USC's <laughs> running back room. Yeah, that's exactly I, what it is. Except for I, I I'm not gonna say. I mean, I like Damian Martinez, friend of the show, Damian Martinez. Um, 
I, I I would feel much more comfortable just picking, you know, saying one of USC's running backs ends up being better. I think Martinez is still a little limited athletically. Uh, he's not a bad athlete, but I, I think he's kind of like a late, mid, late day three kind of running back uh, uh, when he heads to the NFL. So, and I, 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 I am interested to see what happens with him and some of these guys that are at, at Oregon State and Washington State and some of these other schools moving forward because they don't have a conference right now. So, you know, how many of them end up staying there? Could the situation uh, change dramatically for a guy like Martinez or, you know, Aiden Childs, who also is, who's also there, who we like. So uh, I, I would just take one of the, the USC running back room and um, bet that one of them ends up uh, a little bit better than Martinez's. Mox, do you have an opinion on this? No, I agree with Austin. I, Martinez is still a little stiff. Like, I, maybe is the word that I want to use. Like, I don't, like... I agree with Austin's take on Martinez. Like, I think that he's missing missing some sort of athleticism that's going to get him to the next level. I think he's going to be productive, but I also like the backup there, Deshaun Fenwick, too. Like, I think he got hurt last year, but I mean, I think we'll see a little bit more of him, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I would so, just rather bet on USC. If that includes Relique Brown, too, who's like half wide receiver, half running back, I definitely feel more comfortable because I think he can carve out a role. Uh, uh, Damian Martinez ran for six straight 100-yard games, including a 15 for 103 against Oregon in the last game of the season, um, an average 6.1 yards per per attempt. I think that you can be limited athletically when you're six foot 232 pounds. He's six foot 232 pounds. He can carry. He can carry the load. So I am taking Damian Martinez over the field. Austin Jones is Is, old. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd has been injured. Is two hundred thirty pounds a good thing though? If you're semi limited athletically, like I, I don't think those two go together. I think the big Elaborate. backs you see are guys like you know, I mean, Ricky Williams or uh, Braylon Allen, to be to name like or Derrick Henry. You know, like these guys that are, you know, twenty two miles per hour kind of guys on the on the. Yeah, the but AJ guy. Dillon isn't that. AJ Dillon is just kind of like a volume guy. AJ Dillon's. Closer to that threshold than Martinez is. AJ Dillon tested really well at the NFL level. I don't think Martinez is close. Yeah. All right. I'm not poo pooing him. I just, I, I, I I think he's a little lacking there. Yeah. Well, he's 230 Uh, pounds, so we call Felix's eye. We know we 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 understand. We understand. (laughs) That's that's exactly that's exactly right. That's right. That, that, that's exactly how I look for running backs when I'm when sort by weight. I sort by Khalifa Keith, Mayan Williams. Uh, Who's that kid Ramondre heading to, Stevenson. to uh, West Virginia? All, all, DJ Oliver? DJ Oliver. I Did I write his? I, I Probably because he he's, he's thick. He is thick. So I think <laughs> DJ Oliver was one of the players that – I was going to write, and Austin was like, "We don't need to include DJ Oliver uh, in the freshman." He's a little bit limited athletically, but he's two hundred forty pounds. That's right. That's right. NFL bloodlines. NFL bloodlines. That's right. Um, Really? Yeah his uh, his cousin is um, who was the running back at Boise that punched the dude in the head after the game and played at the Patriots for a little bit. Michael James? No, no, no. That's Oregon. Legarrette Blunt. Yes, Legarrette Blunt. He's Legarrette Blunt. Blunt's like cousin or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, Mox, would you rather have Jaquindon Jackson at Utah or Carson Steele at UCLA? In a C2C league? Yeah. 
Oh, easily Jaquinda Jackson. Like that isn't actually isn't close for me. I'm really worried about Carson Steele. Jaquinda uh, Jackson didn't make the freaks list. Carson Steele was a top forty. Whatever. Carson Steele only made it because he looks like like Chris Hemsworth. Um, Jaquinda Jackson was really good to end the year, and I feel way more confident about him being the RB one at Utah than I do Carson Steele not being in a committee with TJ Harton. So. Like that's the comfort level that I have. I mean, I've taken the un- I I've put my money where my mouth is. Like I've taken the under on Carson Steele's season long props, and like it's moved that way. Like his his current number is eight thirty. Like, that's that's a little concerning. My my uh, Austin, who would you rather have, uh, Carson Steele or Jaquindon Jackson? Yeah, I I don't have Steele ranked very highly at all. I do think there is a. Um, I need to ask better questions. I need to come up with better. Questions. I, I think there is a slight chance that the this is kind of one of those classic offseason misdirection type things, and then we get to week one and he handles the ball twenty five times, and we're all like, "What? What just happened? Did we all just get you know completely one pulled over on us?" Because um, yeah. we're good for one or two of those every single year. Um, but uh, yeah, at this stage, I don't know how you could not take Jaquinn and Jackson over him. Yeah. Last year it was uh, who was that? Jared Dagey. Jared Dagey. We were I was the example Jared that Dagey. came to my, into my it head. Was Jared Dagey that we were talking about for months at Western Kentucky, and uh, like two weeks before the season, Jared Dagey <laughs> enters the transfer portal and ends up what at Rice some school Troy, in Texas. Troy. Troy. At Troy. At Troy. Is he still playing college football? I feel like he might be. I don't know. I don't know. Um. I don't know. Do I have any more questions about the running back position? Alton McCaskill, I think he's interesting at Colorado because he was, you know, very good as a freshman at, at Houston. Um, but I, I don't know how good that team is is going to be overall. Do we? St- uh, oh, here we here we go. Austin, do you still have faith in Jade Knott? Given I, the fact I that I never had faith a- in Jade Knott. Um, Talking to the number one player hater on Jade Knott. Hey, 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 hey. Um, I do think that I I there are legitimate arguments for both sides of Jade Knott. I, I and really I, to the framing of the question was he had this production fresh the this productive freshman year, but the coaching staff brought in two transfers at the position. I, I think they needed bodies there either way. Um, and I have been consistently lower on Byron Cardwell uh than consensus. Like I don't know that that he is a uh, world beater by any stretch justin william thomas literally couldn't get on the field last year for tennessee and they had some injuries stack up there at different parts of the year so um like i I think they just needed people there that wouldn't be what scares me off i just think he's uh he's a little undersized and i don't think the frame is there uh quite frankly and then i think you know just all the production basically coming against the two absolute worst teams on their schedule and other than that he struggled to hit four yards per carry in basically any game last year. Um, just it, it, it's, it's kind of a Rorschach test. You kind of see what you or you know, you kind of see what you want to see uh, with him. I'm, I'm pretty far off Jaden, not at this point, but uh, definitely some people that like him. Yeah. I want to see uh, Sam Jackson at, at Cal. Uh, he's a, he's a fun player, but I don't have any other Cal players. It, I, uh, I so I, I haven't heard anything from the fall, but they kept saying that he looked terrible in the spring. So I don't know what to expect from Sam Jackson. at all. Apparently he, he's not a shoe in to win the job either yeah. at Cal based on this week's uh, chasing Natty name. Marquise did. He seemed to be pretty skeptical oh, right. of, of yeah. Sam Jackson, which I like Sam Jackson. I thought he looked pretty good in the spring game, but. Way That's a concern for fantasy purposes for us. Yeah. Yes. 
This conference continues to be fun when we look at the wide receiver and tight end positions. At Arizona, I think Tet McMillan might be a top five receiver in college football next year. Uh, he gets the veteran Jacob Cowing to go along with him. And Marcus Lamonius Craig transfers in from Colorado to be the third wide receiver. At Arizona State, you got uh, Elijah Badger. Austin, he was a favorite of yours, right? Uh, he was uh, Colin and I both liked him. Colin yeah. was really big on him as a freshman. Yeah. And, and then, so Mox, you put the players in here and you did not add one Troy O'Meary. Why? I put the receivers in. Oh, yeah. Austin did the receivers. I did the other. Why did you not two. add Troy O'Meary to this list? Didn't you just say I'm the president of the Player Haters Club? I think you know why. You answered your own question two minutes ago. This is uh, not good news. This is not good news. It's a disaster. Uh, uh, Jalen Conyers is a, a tight end that a lot of people like. Um, I don't have him necessarily rostered anywhere. Uh, just going a little too high for me. Um, Cal, Jeremiah Hunter. J. Michael Sturdivant was at Cal last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was at Cal last year. They shared the uh, wide receiver targets um, last year. So Jer Jeremiah Hunter will obviously be the number one at Colorado. I, let's see how much Travis Hunter plays wide receiver. Xavier Weaver and Jeremy Horn are also there at Oregon. Oregon has a really deep group. Of course, Tez Johnson transfers so he can be with his brother, uh, Bo Nix. Tro Troy Franklin has his fans. I think that there's the possibility that Jerion Dickey ends up being the best freshman wide receiver, uh, the best wide receiver in his class. That's better than Jonte Cook, better than uh, Zachariah Branch. He's just built like an like an alpha, where those two aren't. Those Jerion Dickey is built like an alpha from 1995 to 2004 or so. Uh, Zachariah Branch and in, in Jonte Cook are more of the modern day wide receiver at Stanford. I have no idea. Uh, at UCLA, J. Michael Sturdivant transfers from Cal to UCLA. Hopefully we get to see him with Dante Moore this season. And the aforementioned UCLA Trojans with Zachariah Branch, um, uh, Makai Lemon, Brennan Rice, Taj Washington, Dorian Singer, Deuce Robinson. Uh, I want to stop here. We as a company have really hated on Dorian Singer and a lot of people like him out there. Well, Mox is saying not me. Mox, you like him for CFF purposes or you just like him period? I just like, I just, I just like him. We were on this show like a year ago and we were talking about this Arizona receiver room. And I was like, don't forget about Dorian Singer. He's good. And was laugh was laughed at bringing up names that aren't relevant. Uh, so yeah, that's called shooting from deep for those uninitiated. So yeah, I just, well, if he's good, he would have had an FBS offer, which he did not, which is why he had to walk on at Arizona. Um, and it's not like he went – I mean, he went to Pinnacle. So, I mean, at he least, went to a big hey, At least I'm not shooting from deep with a top-10 quarterback in his respective You class. know what? Nobody said that when I was touting <laughs> Anthony Richardson. I was mocked, I don't know what you're about. ridiculed, teased, and made fun of uh, for that position. Anyway, um, I'm – I find USC's wide receiver room fascinating because there's this gravitational pull towards Brendan Rice, but it sounds like Taj Washington, he might be dealing with an injury right now, but they expect a lot from him. And then, um, and then Dorian Singer. So I would think that the starters are going to be Brendan Rice, Taj Washington, if he's healthy and Dorian Singer. Um, who of the freshmen is going to get on the field? Zachariah Branch has the speed. Deuce Robinson has the length and the catch radius. I think that leaves Makai Lemon as a guy that I don't necessarily see a place for um austin do you see it the same way or do you see it differently 
I think there's definite risk there. But I do also think that USC is the kind of offense where they can get in some blowouts potentially just by how much they can score. And that's that sweet, sweet garbage time is really where a lot of these freshmen get on the field uh, and avoid year one zero status. So um, I, I, I and they've actually a quote came out today. So the coaching staff saying that Makai Lemon has actually looked really, really good at practice. So do with that what you want. I do think it's it's very, very risky. And I actually haven't. I haven't ended up drafting a lot of him because I think his path to playing time is so difficult this year. But I, I think it's it's uh, not as bad as people want to point to. Uh, Austin, quick follow up question here: yeah. Are you interested in Deuce Robinson as a wide receiver as opposed to tight end? Yes, because I'm making the assumption that eventually he ends up listed as a tight end wherever. I do think it's going to be an interesting fight over the next couple of years as you see some of these guys who are kind of fringy new age tight ends, but they know that the franchise tag for tight ends in the NFL is not nearly as lucrative as the one for wide receivers and, and contracts aren't the same size. Um, and you, th- these kids would be lying to you if they said they aren't thinking about that as they're getting, I mean, what you're listed at in college, really, even as a freshman can dictate what you're listed at for the rest of your career. And if that's, you know, functionally, it's the same, but you're, you're missing out on six, eight, $10 million a year. If you, if you hit it, uh, big, I, I I see the incentive to to say you want to be a wide receiver. Obviously, if Deuce Robinson ends up being as good as we think he can be, but he's listed at wide receiver, he, he isn't. He's naturally just not worth as much to us as he would be a tight end because that's such a thin position. Like you can just get that positional advantage there. But I think that the margins are so narrow, and we're talking about just hoping that the guy gets there in the first place. So I uh, have not adjusted my rankings at all, and I would probably take him. In the same range that I would that I would have been taking them in, in other drafts, mid late second round of supplementals, assuming that there's a a few uh, returning supplemental guys in there. I, I think he's six six two twenty five. If he doesn't put weight on, he could be Vincent Jackson. He can be Mike Evans, that type of player. And in in supplemental drafts, he's been going the latest out of the three freshmen. He's been going later than, obviously, Zachariah Branch, who's like a top-five pick, Makai Lemon, and then Deuce Robinson. Deuce Robinson is a five-star player in, who also went to Pinnacle, by the way, another another Pinnacle player. Um, he got a scholarship, uh, Mox. He was able to get a scholarship coming out of Pinnacle. Oh, anyway, any, anyway um, uh, but no, I've, I've, so I've got Deuce Robinson in a lot of places, and, I, and, and I've – to pair him with Malachi Nelson feels like the right thing given his his value in supplementals. Getting a five star player in the fourth round because he was just a tight end. I I don't I, think I've seen him fall that far at all this offseason. I've seen you know m- mid late second can pretty consistently is where he's he seemed to go. That feels right um, for him. By the way, that that that's a fair range. I think. Brad adds, Brad adds in the chat, Jerion Dickey is like a carbon copy of Nikhil Harry, and I can't unsee it. Uh, Brad, I'm going to come find you. I'm going to come find you. Actually, no, I, I think that – I think of Nikhil Harry as a contested catch guy. I think of Jerion Dickey as like a a bully um, who can do a, a run after the catch, who can play the contested catch game. He returned punts in high school. He might be – I mean, he did everything in high school. He played linebacker in high school. Uh, I think he can do a little bit of everything. Uh, at the next at the in college um washington of course roma dunes a jalen mcmillan jeremy bernard is a favorite of a lot I, I thought that jeremy bernard was falling under the radar i can't seem to get him anywhere 
Um, people are drafting him before Jalen Polk, and Jalen Polk had like 700 yards receiving last year. Waldman mentioned something to me about Jalen Polk, too, yesterday, by the way. And then at Washington State, we kind of already talked about their wide receiver core with DT Sheffield, Lincoln Victor, and Kyle Williams. Uh, Austin, you got to take was it who's taking credit for Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan? So I'm listen, I I can admit when I'm wrong, and I used to make fun of you and Colin for your love of Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze is projected to be a first round draft pick next year. Thanks to one Michael Penix Jr. by the way. But take a bow. You were you were right. You were right, Austin. What did you see? What did you see in McMillan and Adunze in high school? Just both uh well, I think it was a combination of they're pretty good athletes and they went to a school that had nothing there in front of them. They both could have stepped in as true freshmen and they kind of did. If you remember, that was the COVID year in Washington. The Pac-12 only played like five games. And I think even Washington had one or two games canceled because they didn't have enough players to participate. So I, I think they just kept flying under the radar because Washington didn't play. But they they both legitimately probably would have had six to 800 yards as true freshmen. And I think the discussion around them for the last year and a half would have been vastly different uh, if they had played a full season that year. I want to go back here to Oregon because, Mox, the first time I heard anybody talk about Tez Johnson, you were talking about him when he was at – was it was it Troy? Yeah. It was It was, it was Troy. Um, th- he's an explosive player. You've got Troy Franklin on one side. I mean, is, is Tez Johnson someone do, that we think we can start in a flex position because he could be this guy that – touches the ball five times and he scores three on a reverse, a long touchdown, a, maybe a kickoff or a punt return. I mean, he scored, he scored in the spring game on a, on a screen, screen pass or something like that. Yeah. He's a pretty tiny dude, but I mean, that doesn't, that shouldn't take away from his profile, which is like a speedy guy who can make things happen after the catch. I love him in best ball. I mean, you could take him in like the last, two or three rounds and get away with it. And I think that he's a great player. You can plug in and have confidence that he's going to have those production, like those 25 plus point games, like once, twice, maybe three times this year. I don't know when those games are going to happen. So that makes me a little skeptical of starting him or plugging him into flex uh, weekly, but I I do think he's a good player and I do think he's going to be on the field. So if it just depends how highly you think of this Oregon offense uh, with Will Stein and, what you think Tez Johnson's role is going to be, which I Mox, I think he's Mox, a six-target guy. Mox, am I misremembering? It was two. It was two years ago. You were talking about Tez Johnson and how athletic he was. Yeah. and then he was on the freak year, list. Well, no, no, no. You were talking about him before he was on the freak list. Yes, I know. I know that for a fact because when I saw him in last year's freak freak list, I was like, oh, that's who Mox has been has been talking about. Yeah, he's been a good player. He's been a favorite of mine for a while. I just I just was having really impressed with the stuff he did at Troy, and then. Um, being able to join Oregon this year. I mean, I think that speaks highly of his talent and ability to translate because, like, Oregon's not taking a dude from Troy unless they think that he can play, even if he is Bo Nix's brother. Adoptive brother, by the way, if you look up pictures. Just want to make sure that's clear. Uh, Austin, uh, what are we doing with freakless prospect Brennan Rice, this athletic freak for for UCLA who's just – poised to dominate college football in 2023 i think we're on the same page on rice right i mean this is a guy that is really an 
average power five starting receiver like is what i would kind of i don't understand i don't understand what the wave of adulation for him this coming season he had a great bowl game yes he made that one great catch on scramble drill he ran some crossers nothing that brendan rice did what in that bowl game was something that like 10 out of 10 college football receivers couldn't also do i mean it's it's if his name was like Brendan Asparagus, we're having a different conversation, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Brandon Incense? Are we just going to go down Felix's uh, <laughs> Bre- shopping list here? Dinosaur Kale? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I just share saying. Too like, much that's with you guys. <laughs> that's a big reason, though. A huge reason. Um, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I think so. We know about uh, Jalen McMillan and and um, Roma Dunze at Washington. Jeremy Bernard Austin had one good catch last year. I think he's from Nevada. He might have been the the player of the year for the state of Nevada. Uh, and you were somebody who's been touting him. So why are why should we be high on Jeremy Bernard? He had yeah, one I good had- catch at Michigan State last year before he transferred to Washington. Yeah, I mean he he beat non uh, he beat one year uh, year one zero at Michigan State last year, which I think is a pretty impressive feat, quite honestly, with how inconsistent and quite frankly poor Michigan State's passing game was uh, through large stretches. I think he's an NFL sized athlete at six one two hundred. I think that he's got really good ball skills. He can do it after the he works really well after the catch. I don't think he's really a deep threat. I think he's kind of one of those intermediate. I don't want to call him possession guys because I think he's a little more dynamic than that, but he's not like the super explosive guy. But yeah, I think he uh, can be like a really good wide receiver too for an NFL team in the future. Uh, and I do think of, uh, it sounds like from what I've heard from people that uh, cover Washington, that if something were to happen to McMillan or Adunze, they actually would prefer Bernard to step in because they view Polk as kind of a wide receiver three and not really a guy that, that fits the one or the two profile. So I, I think he's he's a really good player. I might guide him in the Debbie uh, guide, um, and I have a lot of him from last year. All right. I haven't been able to get my hands on him at all, and I've wanted to. He might be a player that I could try to trade for um, during the season. So, uh, Mox, if you, I'm throwing this at you, and you haven't had time to prepare for it, but is there a do you have a guy that's just your guy in this conference that you're trying to roster as much as possible? Um, I I have two probably, uh, and one is Tiger Bach, Tiger Bachmeyer, the wide receiver at Stanford. Um, I mean, he's had rave reviews from spring into fall. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer's brother, and his, um, his, I think a year younger brother's name is Bear. So you got Bear, Tiger, and Hank. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure how that, how that happened, but I really like Tiger Bachmeyer. Um, Tim, who who works with us and does some prospecting and a whole bunch of different stuff, uh, that was his top receiver in his model, and he that's fairly interesting to me considering how late he was going in drafts and he's been awesome at Stanford. Uh, the other guy that I'm drafting a bunch of is is Travis Hunter. Uh, I understand the risk, but I am all about the reward there. I, I think that if he plays wide receiver, he's going to be pretty dynamic. Uh, I just think he's a really good football player. So, yeah, if I miss, I miss. But, like, I don't know. 
I really like I really like Travis Hunter. I just think he's a good receiver. And I, I I heard Austin trashing the idea of this unless you're really well settled with your with your Devi receivers. And I understand that approach, but I think you need to be shooting for upside in some of these supplemental drafts. And I think Hunter is the perfect upside pick. So I've been I've drafted him a bunch of places this year. I think Hunter though is built like the modern day corner and not necessarily like the modern day. Yeah. Some, someone's going to gonna... make him choose a side eventually. And I think corner is just the more natural fit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. Um, I think that's, I think that's it. I'm going to go, I need to get out of here so I can go look at Tiger Bachmeyer because I have not, and you put him on the show sheet too. And I just, just skipped right over Stan. I, I put Tiger Bachmeyer and Ben Yurisek and you said, I don't care about any of these players. Well, we, we do like Ben, Ben Yurisek, but the tight end there, but I had, I mean, a freshman at, at Stanford. Okay. I'm going to add him to my watch list in all of my leagues and I'm going to go take a look at him now. Um, Make sure to like this video. Leave us a five-star rate and review. We are getting into in-season content. It's going to be a lot of fun. But that is going to be our show tonight for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Austin Nason, Chris Moxley, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.